0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's
0: going well this week. Uh, you know, last week before, last full week before Thanksgiving. First full week of the Trump presidency elect, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's what you want to call it. I'm not sure what to call it. But kind of a, a middle week between the craziness of the election last week and all that went around that and the craziness of... Holidays next week and all the travel and everybody will be doing. So uh, we right. will have an episode next week. Want to let everybody know we'll yes. have an episode next week. Not sure if it'll be heavy on the news or heavy on uh, just us talking about what we're thankful for. Uh, we've kind of floated a couple of ideas. I think we're going to talk about what we're thank- things we're thankful for in the SBC.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. That's where we're leaning.
0: Yes, I think because I like it. I don't know if there'll be a whole lot of news next week. I'm not sure how much Baptist Press will be putting out. Uh, there were a ton of sbc yeah. state conventions this week you're at ets right now i want to get your thoughts on that here in just a minute i i, I was at the tennessee baptist convention annual meeting this week you were you stopped by the north carolina baptist annual convention yeah on your way to ets there's a mm-hmm. lot of them this week I, I know there was a ton this week so yes. we're gonna have to get some information it may be after thanksgiving before we get all the reports and everything from what happened at each of them um nothing too groundbreaking or earth-shattering uh, but just some good news from different states, some uh, a few motions here and there, some resolutions, and a bunch of new officers. Uh, a friend of mine, John Tweet, got elected the state convention president down in Alabama this week. He's the uh, also the chairman of the board at Southern Seminary, and a good friend of mine and pastor at First Baptist Pell City, Alabama, down in uh, the uh, down in the Birmingham area, just east of Birmingham on the way to Atlanta. So. Uh, congratulations to John, but uh, I know you're you're at ETS Amy, give us a, a quick update from San Antonio, one of my favorite cities in the world. Oh I we're you've been a texting me where you're eating and what you're eating, and I've been jealous all week.
1: Yeah, we're having a great time. So we're in San Antonio, Texas for uh, the the annual meeting of the Evangelical Theological Society, which um, basically, is where uh, scholars, uh, professors, PhD students come together and read papers to each other. So that sounds
0: like a blast.
1: It's a big party, and uh, it, it it takes a special kind of person to really enjoy this. I was actually participated in the session myself this time. Yeah, you, so you were, I, led you know, a panel. I did. I yeah. did. And There's Keith a panel led discussion. a panel too. He did. He Both did. Of you. So it was yeah. And Southeastern has an event. Uh, that that we put on a dinner, and so that was, was something as well. So we had things going every day.
0: Are you parliamentarian at ETS as well? No, oh. I wasn't. Okay, um,
1: but the, I don't think they use a parliamentarian. But Barry McCarty is always here uh, as a, a faculty member at Southwestern. So Adam Greenway, if they need there a parliamentarian, too? is that right? Yeah, Adam. Green, that's right. Adam Greenway's here. So if they need a parliamentarian, I'm way down on the totem pole. But this is a place where a lot of Southern Baptist professors are and, uh, for, for the week. And it is a, a, a way for them to interact with one another, uh, to sharpen one another, and to just learn in their field. So, And there are professors from other schools as well, not just Southern Baptist institutions, but they can uh, present what they've been studying and, uh, and just kind of spend time together. So, and the, there was a breakfast that, where the Southern Baptist professors got together And had a a panel discussion. That's what Keith was moderating, and then just enjoyed some fellowship uh, together. So it's it's actually kind of a neat time. Um, But all of our things are done. So tomorrow we're going to the Alamo.
0: Oh, very cool. I've been wondering if you'd made it yet. Yeah, I haven't heard anything from you about that. So uh,
1: yeah, so that's on the
0: docket for tomorrow. That sounds like that's right.
1: I'm getting to do a few things that I didn't get to do when the SBC was in San Antonio because our children were so small that it was big double stroller everywhere and just a lot of limitations on what what all we could do. So I'm, I'm doing a lot more river walk and uh, we'll check out the Alamo tomorrow, get to do a few things I've never seen before. And great Tex-Mex.
0: Oh man, it's the best. I I absolutely and you've been sending me pictures and tweets about or texts about your barbecue and the Tex-Mex down there. I'm just so pretty
1: fantastic. Yes.
0: So, all right. Well, I did get to spend a couple days in Sevierville this week, so I was pretty happy about that. So, I mean, good for you. That's kind of my place too. So anyway, before we jump into the news, let's uh, remember once again to thank our sponsor for this month—the expected one—the book from Scott James. It's an Advent devotional, and every Christmas, Christians all around the world celebrate the Advent season recognizing the love, hope, joy, and peace that is only found in Jesus Christ. Through this devotional, Scott James brings to light the many promises of Christ from birth to ascension that demonstrate his love for us during the Christmas season. These daily devotions, which are designed both for family and individual use, are timeless and moving reminders of the true gift of Christmas. You can pick this up at LifeWay.com or in your local LifeWay Christian store. Uh, they got the five dollar sale is still going on right now. You can get a pack of twenty for five dollars, and actually, I think they're individually five dollars a piece too. so uh, check that out at lifeway.com in your local Lifeway Christian store. Jumping into the news, Amy big news from IMB the uh, missions organization led by Dr. David Platt reported a balanced budget. Uh, for 2017, and uh, also a missionary increase, and five megacities were identified for a global initiative. Got a lot of news coming out of the trustee meeting last week at IMB.
1: Yeah, balanced budget, I think, is probably the biggest, yes. most exciting. So stuff. I went
0: back and looked, because of the balanced budget, we've talked about the, the missionary force reduction because of the, the spending issues at IMB. I went back and looked at that. All right, so in 2015, this is from the annual uh, SBC reports, right? From 2015, 295 in expenses, 245 million in revenue, 2016, 278 in expenses, 256 in revenue, and budget for 2017 is 270 million dollars, both expenses and receipts. so balanced budget, no more overspending and filling it with um, reserves and property sales.
1: very, very big deal. I know they were excited and celebrating that. And celebrating the uh, 50 new missionaries that they were sending to the field.
0: Yeah, 50 new missionaries sent out and commissioned this past week uh, at IMB. Also, um, they said that the giving projections for the 2016 calendar year are on pace to be the largest offering in IMB history, with the projections the offering could exceed last year's record 2015 offering by as much as 10%. Goodness. So last year uh, we saw about $165 million, if I remember correctly. Is that is that the right mm-hmm. number? Somewhere I in that think range. so. So we we're looking to... 175 to 180 ish possibly? So that's, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. A, that's
1: incredible. Well, we, we want to just throw out there, of course all of our listeners are not the entire uh, SBC, but those who are, are engaged and interested in these things, we need to make that a reality. So we need to give to Lottie Moon.
0: And this is actually directly reported Related to the funding of personnel on the field. In 2016, 310 missionaries were appointed this past year, bringing the IMB field personnel to 3,651. That includes the 50 that they just appointed last week. They're projecting appointing 451 new personnel in 2017, which would represent a 3% increase in total field personnel, 100 additional field personnel. Uh, would be going as well. So of those appointed, 351 will replace personnel who retire, complete a midterm assignment, or transition through resignations or other departures. So they'd, they'd see a net 100 increase in 2017, which I think is the first increase in a few years uh, that they have in actual sending. You know, we've been having uh, not as many go as have come off the field over the past few years. Then we had the big drawdown last year uh, due to the financial issues And and now we're we're looking like things are the the budget's balanced. We're seeing an increase again in our sending personnel. You know, of what we're sending versus what's coming home uh, due to retirement and you know coming back from the field. So, you know, looking at it right here, fantastic news from IMB.
1: Um, Another story uh, from the IMB, which uh, this is a, a story that's popped up in Baptist Press. We're gonna give that in the show notes to you. Is about five megacities that they are tapping for a global initiative pilot. It's a, it's this idea they've named five cities around the world. This makes me think of NAM with their send cities almost kind of a, a parallel. So they named uh, London, Dubai, Shanghai, uh, Kuala Lumpur, and a major city in South Asia that they, it's not named because of security purposes, but they are going to be kind of their focal points. Uh, for what they're calling a global cities initiative, so it's kind of an idea. They're they're selecting them because they have a lot of un unre- um, sorry, they have a lot of unengaged, unreached people groups in them, um, but also they're sort of positioned for global influence. Which I think, when you name those, it that s- it seems pretty obvious as as to why they would would choose those. But it takes the the ideas we've heard a lot from uh, David Platt about limitless missionaries, and multiple pathways. Uh, So these are kind of ideas or or places to do these things. So they're looking for students, business professionals, retirees, people who are willing to move overseas to help mission teams uh, in these five cities. Uh, So very interesting uh, announcement and very exciting moving forward. I'm looking forward to hearing
0: more about this. And just speaking of the London uh, Global Cities Initiative, uh, they're looking at the 280 plus underground tube stops as kind of the, the key points for missional community. So they want to have a missional community in every, at, you know, near every one of those tube stops. So no matter what tube stop you are, you, you know, kind of the missional There's something there. Communities are built around these, these spots, uh, you know, cause these are kind of hubs for the city. you focus those uh, missional communities on those hubs for the city, uh, you have a better chance. And I, I didn't realize there's 300 languages spoken in London alone.
1: You know, I don't know that I knew the number, but that sounds about right. Cause I know it's an, it's a very uh, multi cultural, multi-ethnic city, um, just different pockets all over, mm-hmm. all over the place.
0: Yeah. And so. I have, I have friends serving in London for IMB right now. Uh, they're in South London. I think they're going to be involved in this. I haven't had a chance to talk to them since the story came out, but uh, exciting times for IMB, uh, both on the budget front, the missionary sending front, and now the Global Cities Initiative. Excellent. All right. Uh, we mentioned last week uh, about the election. We, had, uh, we talked about a few senators that were elected.
1: Yes, there were Southern Baptists. Yes, there were Southern, Southern Baptists.
0: Baptist. Uh, and we also mentioned that there were some representatives as well. 26 representatives won re-election uh, for uh, Congress.
1: 26 representatives, they all won re-election, so they were already in Congress yes. uh, in the House of Representatives. Those three senators we mentioned uh, last week. And then there are three other Southern Baptist senators who were not up for re-election. They're just in the middle of their term. So uh, that means 32 uh, members of the Senate and the House are uh, Southern Baptists, so uh, just a part of various churches all over the country. Uh, but there's a, a, a story in Baptist Press that will tell you who all they are, uh, what states they came from. Um, I saw a few in uh, in my state, and so that was that was exciting. Yeah, North Carolina. Oh. You got
0: George Holding, uh, right, which, is which is in the the, I know area. of him. Right, I and, know uh, of him at Christ Baptist Church, and uh, Mark Walker at yes. Lawndale Baptist Church up in Greensboro.
1: In Greensboro, yeah. So several others. Some names uh, might recognize in, in Texas. Uh, Representative Louis Gomer, he ends up, you know, we Oh, yeah, well, he was
0: in one of the stories a while back.
1: Yeah, hear about him and uh, lots of lots of others, but just another another thing to mention. So we'll throw that, that story in the show notes so you can click on that and see the list of those congressmen.
0: Steve Womack in Arkansas, member of Cross yeah. Church at Pinnacle Hills. Pastor by Ronnie Floyd. There we go. There's one there. All right, so congratulations to all of those who are elected. And uh, moving on, before we get into uh, a lot of state recaps, interesting story. I love this story. I love this. Tennessee this week, uh, yes. you got a buck and a dunk all in one week.
1: Yes. So a member at um, First Baptist Church, new member at First Baptist Church, Hendersonville, uh, where near you, it's where my brother and his family are members. I'll have to ask them if they have met this guy. Um, but th- there was a gentleman, Stephen Tucker from Gallatin, who was baptized uh, November 13th. But just um, not, not long before that, um, just a few days, he had a really uh, exciting day. He bagged a 47-point buck.
0: 47 points. That's a lot of points. points. It almost looks like an elk. I mean, I'm looking here at the the, the horns. There's so many points on the the deer that it almost looks like an elk. It's amazing. It was just like solid antlers.
1: Yeah. Do you hunt,
0: Jonathan? No. Amy, come on. You know me good enough to know that I don't hunt. Not that I'm against hunting. I just – that's not me.
1: So a lot of people hunt in Middle Tennessee. (laughs) That's an understatement. I actually – I actually, even coming from a family of farmers, I my family really were they weren't into hunting. Uh, but Keith hunts I did some not know and that. Did when we lived in Virginia. Mm-hmm, he does. He does. Um, learning new things all the time, but uh, but he's never come close to forty seven point buck. That's pretty. Not many people you know, have. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing because that just means nobody's gotten this year, you know, up until this time to get to 47 points. But anyway, so an exciting, exciting week. So I saw this uh, sports, sports writer that I follow on Twitter, Mike Morgan there at the Tennessee, and, uh He tweeted it out. So I was excited and actually sent it to Keith. This guy got a 47-point buck. Then it shows up in Baptist Press that he uh, was at First Baptist Hendersonville. It says that uh, he'd been a believer for years but had not demonstrated his faith through baptism, and he decided it was time. Uh, so just, a, just an exciting an exciting time. And so I, had to, I I messaged you right away when this came out on Baptist Press and said, we have to, we have to talk about this on the show because I want to talk about the 47-point buck.
0: Yeah, so, so that, that's a go. big deal. And, yeah, uh,
1: read the story it tells all about about how he got him everything. Yes. It's awesome.
0: And, and cuz he it, apparently he missed him a couple of days before the gun misfire that he was trying to shoot him yes. a couple of days before that and then he went back out a couple of days later and there it was again and he yes. got a second chance. You don't get yeah. you don't get many first chances at a 47 point buck. And nope. uh to get two shots at him. Uh it's pretty yep. amazing. So, uh, congratulations to him and um, all the deer meat you can eat uh for the winter. All right, moving on, we mentioned a lot of state conventions this week. We have a lot of recaps from state conventions that have already happened. Starting up in Iowa, uh, the Iowans met. They had 142 messengers at their state convention, keeping their 50-50 split, and elected President Robert Knight, the pastor of New Birth Baptist Church, Vice President Brandon Barker, pastor of West Wind Church, and Second Vice President Jack Owens of Stonebridge Church, and Secretary Jerome Risting of Temple Baptist Church in Mason City, Iowa, and uh, so another great Iowa state convention, another one of our 50-50 states up there, and uh, just great things that Tim Lubinus and the guys are doing up in Iowa.
1: Fantastic. All right, so uh, let's move over to New England. Let's. New England Baptists, which this is, uh, obviously this is a group um, of states. They had about 200 messengers uh, representing 105 churches, and all seven of the New England uh, associations uh, came together. So they met at Grace Baptist Church in Hudson, Massachusetts. They approved a budget of uh, $2,840,950, and they will be sending 16% onto cooperative program ministries outside of New England. That's up from 15% last year. So slowly moving up. Remember, uh, this is a little bit different from a lot of the bigger conventions that, uh, that yeah, we covered. just not a lot
0: of CP giving up there. Yeah. A lot of their money is brought in through partnerships with NAM and right. uh, those kind of things. So that, that's where that budget comes from. The CP giving actually just a fraction of uh, that, yeah. of the, of the $2.8 million, only 840,000 of it comes from uh, CP giving. So 16% of that's going right. to move it on, but, but they uh, moving an increase from 15 the year before.
1: Yes, and uh because as we know, I mean New England in some ways is is a real mission field yes. in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So, uh just exciting to hear about them getting coming together to meet and uh it sounds like they had a great time. They celebrated, uh, their theme was embracing the future by celebrating our ethnic diversity. So they did a lot uh to focus on that.
0: Yeah, Gary Rowe, who's the chairman of Deacons at Island Pond Baptist Church, uh, so, a layman was unanimously reelected as the convention's president. Joe Souza, pastor of Celebration Church in Charleston, Massachusetts, was unanimously chosen as the vice president. And Sandra Chalo, uh, the leadership director for the BCNE and volunteer staff member at the Church of the Vine in Carver, Massachusetts, will continue to serve as their clerk.
1: Yeah, and I just want to point out next, they already laid out next year's mm-hmm. annual meeting. They'll be uh, at Grace Church in Avon, Massachusetts. The assistant pastor at the Arabic Baptist Church, Boston, will preach uh, the annual sermon on their theme, Embracing the Future Through Reaching the Next Generation. So really uh, is a great sort of picture for us.
0: Moving over from New England to New Mexico, uh, over in the Sagebrush Inn and Conference Center in Taos, New Mexico, 288 messengers met Uh, and represented 99 of the convention's 335 cooperating churches, passed a budget of $4.8 million, and uh, 28% will be forwarded on uh, to the CP for the national uh, and international missions. Uh, That's a 2% increase from 2016, and uh, they'll use the balance of the 72% there in the state. Uh, One item of note in this, they renamed the New Mexico Baptist Children's Home the New Mexico Baptist Children's Home and Family Services. So they're expanding the agency's mission to include family counseling and an adoption program.
1: That's that's great.
0: It's one of the best things that state conventions do, Are their children's homes. Uh, that's the state yes. conventions we have here. Uh, a friend of mine, Griffin Gulledge, down in Alabama, just took a job with the Alabama Children's Home. Uh, congrats that's to Griffin great. on that. And uh, so he's down there. A lot of the state conventions in our denomination have children's homes and, and provide these adoption services uh, and, and that's that's something that when we talk about pro life causes, uh, these these state Baptist children's homes are something uh, that we we need to keep reminding ourselves about and supporting through our not only our cooperative program giving but uh, you know designated funds in our churches as well.
1: Uh, so and then they elected convention officers: President John Hines from First Baptist Church Tucumcari. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first. First Vice President Jared Bridge, pastor of Anchor Church in Albuquerque. I you know how to say that one. Yeah, there you go. And Second Vice President Bo Lamb, pastor of First Baptist Church in Santa Rosa.
0: It's funny how you always get the, the funny names.
1: I do. So here's the thing. This is what I used to tell the ladies uh, when I would teach classes uh, when we were in Virginia. They would come on names that they didn't—they were afraid to say them in in the Bible, mm-hmm. telling, you know— Testament, and I would just tell them. I'd say, just say it with confidence. Then everyone will assume you know what you're talking about, and nobody will criticize. This is different because people are listening who know these people. So I can't just like play it off. I yes. have to.
0: And they, they send us text messages or direct messages about how to pronounce them phonetically.
1: But that's great. I, I know, think, and we, think
0: we ask we for it, that. and we will send we need books for that. We for want that. to know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. All right. So yes. that's that's New Mexico moving up to Missouri. And a wonderful picture of SPC President Steve Gaines with his guitar. It feels like he's like the troubadour, like a not his guitar, sorry, a borrowed guitar.
1: guitar. That's right, because it says in the caption there. He so he was one of the speakers. Uh, They had had some great speakers. It looks like they had uh, Steve Gaines, K. Marshall Williams, um, who was just on our campus at Southeastern a few weeks ago. Fantastic job! Uh, But it looks like that uh, Steve Gaines. Asked um, one of the worship leaders to borrow a guitar, and he sang. So I see this everywhere, and I don't know if I've ever heard him sing live. There's
0: YouTube videos.
1: Uh, I know. So, and I think I've heard. I know he has some out. Like he, he's yeah. got a CD. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I've heard him things. I've said live though. I haven't heard him sing live. He's coming to Southeastern for chapel in there a couple of weeks. Maybe we, get, maybe we can get.
0: Maybe we can get Doctor Aiken to get him up there and give us a little.
1: Play some play guitar. Put a little
0: bluegrass. We'll,
1: we'll see. All right. So they had a total of eight hundred sixty-one messengers. And Yes, and one
0: hundred and 100, ninety-five guests.
1: Wow. Yes, from three hundred sixty-six churches. So this is where you see the difference in some of these uh, states, as you said, the frontier states uh, that are smaller. That that's not a. I mean, in some ways, the numbers that they get are just real victories for them. Uh, with the church's space as far apart as they are but then you move down south or in the Midwest at some of these uh, conventions that are a bit bigger and we see we see things a little uh, are a little different so this is where uh, John Yates is the executive director of the Missouri Baptist Convention also the recording secretary for the SBC so everyone knows them and so they looks like they put on a great great meeting they set their 2017 cooperative program goal at $14.8 million. So that budget um, sets aside 5% of total CP giving for the shared expenses category, and that'll be for annuity protections and the pathway. That's their paper. Then the remaining balance is split with 44.5% going toward SBC Ministries and 55.5% going toward uh, Missouri Baptist Ministries.
0: Yeah, they also elected some new officers. President Ken Parker, First Baptist Church, Kearney, First Vice President, Jeremy Munoz from First Baptist DeSoto. Second Vice President, Tim Smith, pastor of Aurora Springs Baptist Eldon. And the Recording Secretary, Rick Bisadecki, pastor of Life Point in Wildwood, Missouri.
1: That was not an easy name. So. Yeah,
0: so you just say it fast with confidence, Amy. That's I learned, right. I learned that from you. I learned that from watching That's right.
1: you. So. <laughs> oh my goodness, wow. All right, let's go to Wyoming.
0: Over to Wyoming, the Wyoming Southern Baptist passed a $1.433 million budget, uh, down just a little bit from last year, but maintained for the sixth year in a row, sending 32.75% to the cooperative program. David Grace, the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Laramie, was re-elected president. John Constantine, pastor of Story Community Church in Story, Wyoming, was re-elected the first vice president. And John Laramendi, pastor of Alcova Community Church in Alcova, Wyoming, was re-elected as the second vice president. Uh, Sherry Mickelson, a member of First Baptist Church in Powell, Wyoming, was elected a recording secretary. And Renee Hansen, a pastor's wife and member of Mountain View Baptist Church in Mills, Wyoming, was elected the assistant recording secretary. They have a recording secretary and an assistant.
1: That's really good. It takes a lot.
0: Yep, a lot going on there in Wyoming. Uh, one thing to note in the Wyoming story, they, they talk about their Center for Leadership Development Uh, So out there in Wyoming, they have their own Center for Leadership Development in which they partner with Gateway Seminary, Uh, not not Golden Gate, Gateway. They have 40 students and 55 graduates this past year um, from that. So, uh, you know, a lot lot going on in in their rodeo ministry too. 85 volunteer evangelizers. Uh, You know, Wyoming, big rodeo country, big cowboy country, Uh, but they had 85 volunteer evangelizers at the National High School Rodeo Finals in Gillette, Wyoming, two 1,288 uh, witnessing conversations and saw 123 people make professions of faith.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. Can I make a side yes. comment? That Did
0: you used to rodeo? No. That would like blow my mind right now, but okay.
1: No, but the fact that we could have an episode where we discuss uh, deer hunting and rodeo, that's pretty great.
0: This week in redneck SBC history uh, coming up later maybe. I don't know. <laughs>
1: All right, so let's move to Mississippi. Speaking
0: of, all right, down to Mississippi. Oh,
1: I can't believe you said that. Um, all right.
0: I, I went to school. I, I left Louisiana to go to college in Mississippi, and my wife's my from there. I, from I can. Mississippi. Okay. My
1: dad's from Mississippi. There you go. He went so. to junior college there and uh, went to high school in Columbus.
0: All right, well, they passed a $31 million budget down here in Mississippi. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, 37.5% to the national CP causes. Anything over that $31 million budget will be divided 50-50. Uh, onto Christian education in the state and 50% onto national CP funds.
1: Yes, and the big story out of that meeting as well is that they unanimously approved uh, the adoption of the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message as the doctrinal guidelines for their convention.
0: Also, Doug Broom, the senior pastor of First Baptist Church, Natchez, Mississippi, was elected to a second term as the MBC president. John Pace, uh, was nominated as the first vice president and uh, elected without opposition. And Dan Howard was named the second vice president. He's a senior pastor at First Baptist Philadelphia. And also Michael Weeks, pastor of Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Olive Branch, uh, was renominated as the recording secretary and uh, was re-elected without opposition. And Jerry Bingham, missions director for the Benton Tippa Baptist Association. Ripley was re-nominated for the recording secretary and was also re-elected without opposition. Uh,
1: these pictures in the story, they're beautiful. Oh, the first, first Baptist Jackson is oh, just it's
0: a- one of the, if not the, one of the most picturesque s- sanctuaries in the SBC. It is just it's, amazing.
1: Yeah. And I, am um, when uh, we, we went through Jackson on our way home from the SBC in New Orleans, and uh, it's, it's beautiful outside, and it's right down the street from Eudora Welty's house, which I got really excited about. Uh, she's a writer, southern fiction writer from a long time ago. She's not living anymore, but you can take a picture of her house and the sign outside. But I got really excited, very close to First
0: Baptist Church. Very cool. All right, yeah. speaking of First Baptist Churches, um, we have a, a couple of uh, stories this week about protests at First Baptist Dallas. Uh, following the election of Donald Trump last week, uh, as we, we know, Robert Jeffers, very involved in the campaign for Donald Trump uh, protesters this past week, protesting his church, including some from another church in the area led by Dominique Alexander. He's the uh, ordained minister at True Love Missionary Baptist Church in Dallas, uh, was leading a march on First Baptist Church. There's a story we have from Baptist News about that, and then there's also a story about the response from First Baptist Dallas in BP this week.
1: Yes. So it'll be interesting. I know there's a lot of protesting that's happening right now. So just seeing how that
0: has that died down. I haven't really been following that, but has the protesting really kind of died down?
1: Um, You know, that's actually a good question because I was paying attention to it early in the week, and then when we got here to San Antonio, I've just been doing other things, so I have not
0: tracked. Yeah, I mean, they they mentioned that there were about 50 or so protesters uh, for two nights in a row, actually, on November 14th, and there, there was a quote from. Uh, Dr. Jeffress about them he said, "Look, these people, these protesters, they aren't opposing me or the church. Uh, when I see these protesters, it kind of reminds me of a flea striking its hind leg against Mount Everest, saying, I'm going to topple you over. Ultimately, they're protesting the eternal word of God, and guess what? They're not going to be successful in toppling the Word of God. So there's some more quotes there from from Dr. Jeffress uh, and uh, a picture from Fox News when with him on there. Uh, so right. the links to those stories, both of those stories. Uh, from Baptist News and from BP are in the show notes at spcthisweek.com.
1: Yeah, and he he also clarifies in that uh, in a press statement on their church website, and this is in the BP story also that they uh, do not endorse or oppose candidates for political office; that they provide information, you know. But that's it.
0: All so right.
1: that's yeah. So that's in the story as well. Just helpful to kind of put all that together.
0: Some sad news this week. Yes. Cliff Barrows, uh, yeah. the Billy Graham Crusades music director, died yes. at age 93.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I caught this the other day. and uh, I, did, did I send that to you? I you think did. I you sent, sent it that to me. To I think you. I was on the yeah. road
0: between here and Sevierville, and I wrote back, who's that? Because Yes. and I feel like a bad Southern Baptist for that. I've been chastised on numerous occasions because of that this week because I had no idea, but I didn't grow up watching Billy Graham. So,
1: Well, and I didn't either. I knew George Beverly Shea. Right. I didn't either. I mean, I wasn't Southern Baptist. I always knew who Billy Graham was, but didn't really know uh, anyone else. But I think because the Billy Graham crusade came to Louisville when we lived there and we went a couple of nights, uh, I kind of knew more uh, uh, about their organization and about the crusades and, and Cliff Barrows led the worship there. He was 93 years old. Uh, he, he traveled the world all the way, beginning with the first crusade in 1947 in Grand Rapids. So he was uh, with Billy Graham.
0: Did you see the story about how they met for the first time?
1: On, uh, on his honeymoon.
0: Yes. Barrows was on his honeymoon
1: right. and
0: met Billy Graham, became friends with him. And from there on, I mean, he was uh, the music guy for Billy Graham. And uh, I hosted his television and radio programming. And and see, I think this is a generation thing. I think I just barely missed the Billy Graham, uh, you know, time. I think I kind of grew up on the backside of whenever Billy Graham was actually doing a lot of the things. I I know he did some... He was still doing crusades whenever I was growing up. Uh, My wife actually worked one right before we got married, uh, like in the fall before we got married in January or something like that. But it, it just... Didn't quite, I, I never quite hit the Billy Graham thing.
1: Well, you know. I mean, I didn't grow up in either, but as we established a few weeks ago, I was the one that was, uh, as an adult, watching Lawrence Welk every yes. Saturday night, so yes. there are just going to be something that now, some people are drawn to. So. Bill Gaither,
0: I can, we can talk about everybody on the Homecoming videos, and I'm there, so yeah. um, I, Billy Graham may not be my cup of tea, but Bill Gaither and the Gaither vocal band and Happy the, the Homecoming, I'm all over that, all yeah. over it. So uh, we when we went to Dollywood a few weeks ago, the Southern Gospel Music Hall of Fame is in Dollywood. I didn't realize it was in Dollywood. I spent a half an hour to an hour in there just looking around. My kids are like, can we go ride now? I'm like, no, we're, we're reading. We're reading. So our condolences out to the family of Cliff Barrows and also uh, some some news from Alaska. A couple of, yeah, a couple uh, of people. A couple of deaths this past from a former execs, Cloyd Sullins. Uh, he died. He was the exec from 95 to 2000 and bill Hunky, uh the exec of the alaskan baptist convention from 66 to 71 and a, a big time baptist historian uh passed away as well this week
1: certainly our um our thoughts and prayers go out to their families as well uh they obviously when you when you read these uh, obituaries you see things bill hunkey it tells led a large-scale disaster relief in fairbanks um when uh, there was a some some flooding in 1967. So did a lot of great things. Did a lot of things there for state convention, and, and then Cloyd Sellens It talks about just a, a lot of his ministry, uh, looking back at the the history, of advancing the gospels in overseas partnerships with Far East Russia, other partnerships as well. And uh, he was um, had had been a key leader in some crossover. Efforts back in the early 90s. So the these men made a great contribution at Southern Baptist, and uh, so our thoughts and prayers got to their families as well.
0: Yep. And finally, this week we got some Thanksgiving research from Lifeway Research. Um, yes. And nothing in the shape of a turkey or a pie, unfortunately, Amy.
1: No, but there's a cornucopia. There is the a cornucopia. There is a yes. cornucopia.
0: So. Yeah. All right. We've got two questions basically that they ask Americans. Uh, What are you thankful for and what are you most thankful for? And then at Thanksgiving, to whom do you typically give thanks? Uh, So whenever you ask, what are you thankful for? The number one response is family. Family. People are most thankful for their family. Uh, The breakdowns on this one, uh, age breakdowns. If you you see this, it, it breaks it down a little bit and they talk about this. Those 65 and older are most thankful for family, 92%, and health, 86%. Those under 25 are thankful for fun experiences, 75%, and their achievements, 61%, but still cherish family, 70%. So they're they're thankful for the fun that they get to have under 25. So got a millennial versus a boomer mindset there, I guess, a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, very interesting. And um, the question among, this is again among Americans. Um, At Thanksgiving, to whom do you typically give thanks? And uh, 63% said God. Now, the number I'm not sure I understand completely. You should ask Scott McConnell about this. So it said God, family was next, friends, myself, which was interesting.
0: There's a big drop-off, too, between God and family. Yeah, it's
1: only 8% said. I mean, 63% said they give thanks to God. Like, 8% said myself. So I don't want to make too much of that. But 3% said other, and 4% said none of these. And
0: 4% said fate who I, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what type of how do you express your thankfulness to fate in the world that just I, yeah, seems strange know. to me
1: i don't know um and uh then then 7% said i don't give thanks so kind of de- delineating between other none of these which seems like that would be the same and i i don't give thanks i guess that means don't give thanks to anything um but just very interesting i i'm always intrigued by studies like this, especially ones that just kind of ask these sort of unique, timely questions uh, to see where we are on something, especially a holiday that everyone is so accustomed to. Uh, But the truth is, people still uh, like to have a moment where we sort of stop and reflect and give thanks.
0: Yeah, and 63% of Americans give thanks to God on Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, two and three, that's, that's a pretty high percent. A little bit higher than I possibly expected. So, yes. But, uh, but good news, another great research study here from Lifeway Research. Now, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC History. Amy, blow our minds.
1: All right, so we're going to go back to 1995. Uh, and this is very interesting because we've had a lot of conversations lately about religious liberty. Uh, and we've had conversations about that in the Greater Conversation, but also among um, Southern Baptists. And we know this is a topic that Baptists, for a very long time, have been advocates. We're known to be um, advocates for religious liberty. That's kind of a, a mark of, uh, of Baptist identity. Uh, but in 1995, uh, there's a story in Baptist Press about a constitutional amendment intended to protect religious expression that had been introduced in the House of Representatives. And uh, the Christian Life Commission immediately joined with some other groups in endorsing this now what's interesting is it it had been introduced by henry hyde representative um from illinois and he was chairman of the house judiciary committee Now, a lot of times there there's another amendment uh the The hyde Hyde amendment amendment, yeah yeah that is that's connected um with abortion that's not the same thing this is a different one though I, i believe so oh okay and that that check. means
0: that we cannot fund abortion with public money, right? That's the the taxpayer right. That's what the abortion.
1: the Hyde Amendment that we typically say, but uh, that we're typically referring to. But this is a different amendment, but it was it was put forward by um, by Henry Hyde. So they they put this out, um, and this is all. It, it's in 1995, so it's kind of around the time that. Uh, several Republicans had come into Congress under the Contract for America. So there were a lot of a lot of things going on. Yeah, the balanced uh,
0: budget, Newt Gingrich, the right. whole thing.
1: A lot of things going on at the time, but it was really important uh, to Southern Baptists. the The amendment was designed to protect public school students as well as other Americans. Um, and so I, I I've got a Baptist Press story in there, but I've also thrown in. Um, something from that's actually from con- the, the site that Congress has, uh, the government site that gives a summary of it. Uh, so it was a constitutional amendment. It was introduced uh, November 15th, 1995. It declared that neither the United States nor any state shall deny benefits to or otherwise discriminate against any private person or group on account of religious expression, belief, or identity. And two, the prohibition, on laws respecting an establishment of religion shall not be construed to require such discrimination. Um, so, this was kind of to to make sure that the First Amendment was not seen as an opportunity to uh, discriminate against. Now, this pops up, it's certainly of interest for Southern Baptists at the time, just so you know the story of that, because if you go looking at the Constitution, you won't see this. Yeah, it's
0: not in there, it didn't get passed.
1: It's not in there. So what happened uh what happened to it basically, and you can look at this uh site uh, for Congress, is it got um it got introduced, it got basically referred to a committee, and that's it.
0: It went away. So like it it referred away. to committee and just basically died in committee.
1: Yeah, it was a con- I think a constitution um constitution committee or the subcommittee on the constitution. So it was referred December 11th, 1995. So this thing basically within a month, it was, it went away. Now, how often does now, this
0: happen? I mean, like, I, I don't know how often things get introduced as joint resolutions to you know, be put into the constitution, a constitutional amendment.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I don't know. I hesitate to even, um, to even answer
0: so the last constitutional amendment that was passed then 92 27th amendment basically saying that you can't the congress couldn't pass a pay raise for themselves in the current congress it would go into effect the next time they were elected that's when the pay raise would going to effect um that was to keep them from i guess upping their pay while they were in there right yeah right so now, probably a good amendment now what
1: now here's the interesting thing about that amendment this is like a side note for our listeners because this has nothing to do with sbc or sbc history because I remember my professor teaching us about this, so I pulled up the article about it to remind. This amendment was actually um, first um, introduced in the House on June 8, 1789. By James Madison. By James Madison of Virginia, and he wanted to add it uh, to the Constitution itself. It was referred to committee, just like the one we talked about, Um, then came out and was debated, but... Uh, nothing got done on this one
0: until 200 and, years later.
1: That's right. An undergraduate student at the University of Texas at Austin, Gregory Watson, wrote a paper um, because he read about. He wrote a paper resurrecting it, and he got a C by his professor, who said his idea was unrealistic. So he started a letter-writing campaign to state legislatures to push for ratification. Um, he started his campaign in like eight in nineteen eighty two. So it took ten years and it happened. So very interesting. So college students out there, you know, go for it. If you got an idea, push it out there. But
0: now, now my my question is, do you think we'll see another one in our lifetime? I don't know. You don't know. Why I think don't it's we go possible. back
1: let's go back and see if we can find something that James Madison had put forward and we'll, we can start yeah, something.
0: Or Hamilton. Hamilton's hot right now. You find yeah. something that Hamilton went I mean Get Lin-Manuel behind it and and we're talking. So uh, before we get to our resources of the week, I want to thank our sponsor again, The Expected One by Scott James. Pick it up at Lifeway.com or your local Lifeway stores. My resource of the week this week, Amy, is a new podcast by Sam Rayner, Micah Fries, and Josh King. Uh, The Established Church podcast. Uh, Great discussions on leading established churches. You can find it on iTunes. I put a link in spcthisweek.com. Have you had a chance to listen to that yet? I don't know if you've... See, I've seen, I know um, you've seen I, it, but I don't know if you had a chance to listen. Yes,
1: I've seen it. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, I, um, but it's added to my list.
0: Yeah, so, so. I, I've had a chance to listen to a couple episodes. Fantastic uh, job by those guys. I, all friends of mine, and and just good guys all around. Great pastors. Love the established church, and I uh, want to see you know pastors go into that, especially younger pastors, go into established churches and do well. So uh, if you're you're in that situation, t- check it out. Uh, I highly recommend that. Your resource of the week this week is.
1: Mine is the New Christian Standard Bible, which is the update from the Holman Christian Standard I, Bible.
0: I don't know if you can do that because it's not really available yet. That's kind of cheating, Amy. You're, you're a few months ahead.
1: It launches in March. Go ahead and like prepare for it now. I'm excited.
0: Yes, I am too. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm, I'm pumped about this.
1: I'm excited have about it. Have you gotten your hands so- on one yet? Yes, I have this week. That's why I'm talking about it. Um,
0: Me and Brandon Smith are going to fight. Yeah. Because
1: so I don't have I, one yet. It, we got them, um, everyone who was registered for ETS got sort of an advanced copy.
0: I do have a backpack, uh, though. So
1: Yeah, I don't have the backpack. Um, this is so, it's so exciting. And B&H sponsored a lunch here and gave a presentation about it. And I was so excited sitting there. I remember being at LifeWay when sort of the, the new, everything was getting started with this uh, particular revision. And just seeing it all come to fruition Hearing the presentation, it it was phenomenal. I was so excited. So it's coming in March. Uh, Go ahead and start kind of gearing up um, for a new one. And there's promotional stuff. There's videos and stuff out there. You can put that up on the show notes. So check it out. Start getting excited.
0: And maybe if you're lucky, you'll get a copy like Amy. Even though the guy that works at the company, for the president of the company that is putting it out, doesn't have one yet. So it's okay. Why
1: don't you join the Evangelical Theological Society?
0: I don't think I'm allowed to join that. I would bring down the collective theologicalness of that society, I believe.
1: Well, on that note.
0: I did wear tweed with elbow patches this week, though. So, you know, I'm there. I I got the outfits for ETS. Yes. But maybe not the, the intellect for ETS. All right. So... All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week. I know next week's Thanksgiving, we'll be back with a maybe an abbreviated episode next week for you to listen to on Black Friday while you're fighting over $400 TVs that are on sale for 50 bucks at Walmart. Uh, but uh, be sure to join us next week. Thanks again for joining us this week. Check out all the links to all the stories. A lot of state recaps going on right now, and uh, we'll talk about more of those later, and we'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.